0: Welcome to the CSBS podcast, the podcast series of the Center for Social and Behavioral Science at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. The purpose of the podcast is to showcase our researchers, give voice to our community, and if we can, have some fun along the way. We are researchers, practitioners, and all-around social and behavioral science nerds. We're glad you're here for the journey. We all know that exercise is generally good for our physical health. But creating healthy exercise habits and sticking to them is easier said than done. How can we pick up and stick with our exercise routines? To provide a little extra motivation, we'll also discuss some of the ways in which exercise can help our mental health, well-being, and even our cognitive function. In this episode, we'll talk with two University of Illinois researchers, Sean Mullen and Neha Gote from the Department of Kinesiology, on their work on exercise science and learn how to make our bodies work better for us, even in the time of COVID-19. Okay, Neha, Um, Sean, thank you for joining us today um, and answering some of our questions that we have for um, when it comes to exercise and um, its role in our lives, how we can do it more. Um, As as you are all aware, um, with the COVID-19 outbreak, um, the issue of exercise has uh, been um, highlighted a little bit more. Uh, One, because we're all at home and we have possibly more opportunities to do it. Um, two, because we um, have been told, and uh, it's probably good advice, that um, it's a good thing to exercise a little bit more, um, given all the different complications that happened with something like COVID, but life in general would seem to indicate that um, it would be good for all, all of us to exercise. You two are our experts. Um, on many different aspects of exercise or some of the best and most interesting researchers we have at the university. So we thought it would be productive to ask you some questions about this issue um, and relate it back to um, the COVID-19 situation. Before we do that, we would like to hear from you a little bit about yourselves. So Neha, would you care to give us a little introduction of yourself and how you got here?
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Neha Gote. Um, I'm now a faculty at the Department of Kinesiology and Community Health at the UFI. Um, this is, I've been here three years now and um, I've had an interesting physical activity, professional sport, psychology kind of a trajectory um, that got me here uh, at this point in time. So I was born and brought up in Bombay, uh, now Mumbai. Um, Um, I played tennis professionally for my country for a few years. Um, While doing so, I pursued psychology as my track uh, and my major in college. And um, somehow those two things kept connecting me with each other and just kept me interested in in that area of practice and science. Um, So I was always interested in trying to connect the mind and the body. So exercise and the psychology behind exercise um, so eventually, when I um, graduated, I was looking for programs or schools where I could more systematically explore this area of science and research, uh, which got me abroad to the US. So in India, unfortunately, exercise science or exercise psychology or sports psychology is still very nascent. Um, the, the areas that surround that science are more typically geared towards clinical populations, such as people who may have disorders, diseases, or need rehabilitation. And so I was, I was more keen on just exploring how to promote exercise for the public, uh, regardless of whether they were injured or they needed rehabilitation. And so that got me looking at programs abroad. Um, I actually came to the U.S. to this very university to pursue my graduate school uh, and graduate schooling. So I got my PhD here um, and now eventually I'm back here as a faculty so life has come a full circle from Bombay to Champaign-Urbana.
0: <laughs> All roads lead to Champaign-Urbana, we know that. Um, <laughs> that's a great story um, and, and you I think um, reflect some of the uh, aspirations many of us had about sports but you got to live it um, so you got to be a pro tennis player which is cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
2: Sean, your story? Uh, well, um, yeah, it really depends on how far back in the brain drain you want to go, but um I, I share a lot of the uh, the sport experiences that Na did, but maybe at a different level. Um, I grew up playing tennis um, as my parents were the gatekeepers of my um, sport experiences, and they you know they were both athletes themselves, got injured a lot, uh, struggled with some health problems and um, and my dad was in uh, psychology. My mom was in education. And so um, I kind of found my way in a, a psychology track into a, an educational psychology PhD um, where I ended up focusing on um, exercise psychology. My, my dad, all growing up, kind of predicted the health of this field um, as well as a number of other things that came true. Um, but he said you know you'll never not have a job if you focus on exercise and health psychology um, so his track was school psychology and you know we fought a lot and at one point I, I think I told my dad that psychology was bullshit um, but uh, you know it, it's it's funny like what, I had a number of amazing academic mentors um, and each one kind of, ping pong me around and I I just followed the path of least resistance to, um, you know, study cognitive aging. I had a professor, um, Tim Salthouse, who apparently was very skeptical about the effects of, you know, exercise on the brain. And he just wasn't looking at the longitudinal data. Um, But when some of the early work that Art Kramer and Eddie McCauley were publishing, um, showing some of these positive effects, uh, he was bringing it up in class and, you know, that's what I ended up, you know, focusing on. I, I couldn't wait to get here and wanted to find a way to, you know, get training in clinical trials and, and work with these two men. So um, yeah, I've been here at, at Illinois now for about 10 years um, and I'm continuing to work in the field of exercise psych. Well, welcome. We're glad you chose to do that. Um, Okay, I just want to ask,
0: at least initially, some basic questions um, because uh, we do know that
2: exercise is important, but um, it's also, I think, not
0: uh, a mistruth to say that adopting an exercise routine is not easy um, and that many of us have a difficult time initiating an exercise routine and and then maintaining it. So I was curious from your perspective, um, what were some of the factors that contribute to the ability or the um, the smooth transition to picking up an exercise routine? Um, especially um, keeping in mind things that people might have control
2: over um, and that they might be able to do something about. Do you have any insights for us about that? You know, a lot of it depends on your prior experience and, and what you end up doing. Uh, choosing to try. Um, but at any age, uh, any speed, you know, if you haven't been at it a while, you probably want to start simple. Um, walking if, if you have the capacity to do so is probably a, a great way to start. And, um, you need to find something that you want to do that you believe that you can do. And I think when you're starting out variety, is pretty key to keeping it fun. If I was going to coach someone, you know, off the streets to do something like brand new, you know, I I would want to find a few activities that they've had experience doing and try to keep that activity as close to that as possible. You know, there's a lot of companies right now making a a ton of money with their remote programs, and most of them seem to be high intensity. Um, They are complex movements that are off-putting to a lot of people uh, other than maybe Instagram models. You know, they they require high skill. A lot of them require equipment. And I think, especially during these times, we want to find things that we can do with minimal equipment and maybe like body weight exercises. If you want to do some resistance training. Excellent advice. Neha, do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I think enjoyment or fun um, is a big part of it, especially if it is somebody who is just starting off, has been inactive or not a regular exerciser for most of their life. I think Um, trying to get into something and trying to possibly make it a routine or a regular habit. Uh, It definitely needs to be something that sticks with you, that you enjoy, that you feel like you want to participate in uh, on a regular basis. Um, And yeah, there could be certain other social aspects to it. So maybe you have a spouse or a kid or, a family member who is pushing you to try it or motivating you um, it could even be friends um, so there is some science where social support as we try to study it um, from friends or family um, or a community could possibly have an impact on your choices or your behaviors um, and of course there are some factors that may be beyond your control so there could be some environmental factors whether you have a nice sidewalk or a a walking path around your house, or whether you have access to a a, a green space um, um, maybe a difficult uh, position for people who live in urban cities versus rural areas. So it could also be a factor of where you are and where you live and what access you have to things around you that might allow you to engage in some hobbies or activities. Um, So I think it's, It's a pretty, it's a culmination of different elements that need to kind of fall together in place. Um, But I would agree with Sean that uh, most of it stems from your personal interest, motivation, desire to really make a change in your life and possibly give exercise a try.
0: I'm I'm not going to be uh, autobiographical here, but let's just say hypothetically, um, there are people who fall into all those categories they're really motivated to try something new um, they don't go too far with their aspirations they start running or playing tennis or something simple and a couple of things happen it seems um first it becomes less fun um, so um and second it hurts <laughs> so well you know I don't, I don't know about you but running uh, i've often um Um, argued is pain Um, and so why would you continue so it seems to be that the story is that people are motivated um, they initiate the 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 exercise routine like you've described described, something even reasonable Uh, obviously there are crazy folks who go too far and and i'm I'm in that category and they immediately get injured and then it's a a bad story Um, but you know some a lot of people are reasonable about it but then you know it doesn't stick it doesn't um, stay as a habit what do, you, what do you recommend or what are the insights you have from your research or other people's research on that space? If you've initiated a program, it's become less fun. Um, how do you
2: make it a habit? You know, how do you make it a routine? You know, I, I think even some of the, the best adherers to any uh, health program, they do you know, fall off the wagon every once in a while, and um, I think first we have to have realistic expectations about what adherence is. Um, I think two weeks off, four weeks off, it's not going to kill you. And in fact, it might be good for your, you know, your body to rest, for you to reset. Um, This whole quarantine has been good for a lot of people to kind of reflect on what their goals were and the things that they missed out on, um, you know, when they've just been rushing through life. Uh, This is where that variety comes in. Um, You know, I have personally... Four or five activities that I really enjoy, and when I feel like I'm burning out in one, I light the flame in the other. I, I also get real bored; like I, I, I want to learn new things. Um, so you, that works for me. You know, I, I can pick up a new activity and, and try it out—a new you know, dance routine, a new martial art, a swinging poi. I, I don't know if you're familiar. Um, but No. Okay, would you please explain? What a swinging <laughs> point! <laughs> it basically, balls on a string, um, but you can make shapes with them. Um, <laughs> I was, I'll show you sometime. It's it's light out right now, so I, I can't get out the glow sticks, but y- you get the idea. It's uh, you can you can make shapes. Anyway, it's it's. I a think lot. we will have to link to a visual on that one <laughs> yeah. on the website. There's absolutely no question. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a lot of fun, but it, it just gets you moving. Um, but you can achieve the same sort of movements if you plug in a video game. Um, kids enjoy extra gaming. Some adults enjoy extra gaming. Um, but it's not for everybody. And eventually you win the game or you don't have a partner to play with. And then it's, you know, it, it outlasted uh, its purpose. So uh, I think you need to keep moving and just kind of go with the flow.
0: Neha, you mentioned uh, social support and you know, making sure that what you do is, is uh, embedded in relationships. Can you describe how that helps people to maintain these types of routines?
1: Yeah, um, so we, I mean, for a habit, it's something that has to become automatic at some point in time, like if you just reflect back on other behaviors that we we learn growing up, like you brush your teeth, you, you, it's a habit. It becomes automatic. You get out of bed, you go, you brush your teeth. Um, so it's, it's similar with exercise. Of course, it's a little more complex because it's not as simple as brushing your teeth every morning. Um, but definitely, uh, like Sean mentioned, keeping it keeping a variety is definitely important. Um, in a lot of our work, we we have done studies with middle aged and older adults. Um, a lot of them are possibly living by themselves in the community, so they may have kids who have moved out, they have gone to college, or um, so they they are empty nesters, uh, so to speak. So they are living by themselves, and so. For those individuals, particularly in our experience, uh, designing exercise programs and promoting exercise programs, um, that social element has been kind of emphasized repeatedly. Um, We also see that they, they like to chat, they like to banter. So exercise is not just about... Uh, doing the good thing for your body for an hour every day or 30 minutes every day, but it is also offering you that social connection that people might be missing. Um, we have had some research on that and loneliness in middle-aged and older adults. I think some of this work has been done at University of Illinois Chicago. Um, and so there is there is definitely evidence that that social element, human beings are social beings. So uh, it's, it's difficult to understand what makes a good social connection. Connection. It may be hard to put it into words, uh, but we see repeatedly in in our studies and our science that definitely having a group of people seems to have better results in terms of getting people to stick with a program or stick with exercise for the long term.
0: So it's clear, of course, from lots of research, including your own, that exercise is good for us physically. Um, You're both uh, known for your work showing how exercise affects us mentally. Um, and I was curious whether you could describe some of the ways that exercise helps our mind in addition to our body. Neha, do you have any insights from your work on yoga?
1: Yeah. Um, so we have been studying uh, kind of the mind-body <laughs> therapy, so to speak. So yoga falls in one of those categories. So it's it's a form of exercise where you're not just moving your body, but you're also trying to give your brain or your mind a mental timeout uh, of some sort. So when you may be out for a walk, when you're at a gym, um, you may be exercising on a treadmill or an elliptical, but you may have large TV screens in front of you and you are still constantly distracted. You may be thinking about what you need to do when you get home. You may be thinking about what you need to prep for a meal for your family. So there could be a lot of things running to your mind when even if you are just exercising. Um, so, our goal was really to look at what ha- what would happen. And I'm not saying that just exercising doesn't have benefits. Definitely, there is evidence to show that running, walking, cycling, um, all of those activities, which may not necessarily be a mind-body activity, does have benefits, such as it helps with emotional regulation. It helps with uh, reducing anxiety, reducing stress. Um, there have been studies done with... Uh, clinical populations, um, such as those who may be diagnosed with certain mental illnesses or mental disorders, and exercise has been shown to be effective in improving symptoms. Um, In some cases, it is just as good as um, possibly taking medication or pharmacology treatments. So there is definitely evidence that um, exercise can be good, and in many cases, just as good as taking medications to manage a lot of these mental health symptoms. Um, But with yoga, we are trying to take this approach where um, does that mental timeout have some added effect? Um, Does it go above and beyond just moving your body where taking that mental timeout might have some added benefit? Um, And from some of our yoga studies, we see that yoga seems to be just as effective as doing other forms of exercise. Um, In some of our recent studies, we have seen that with yoga practice, it might even improve your mental functioning Uh, which may be particularly important for people who are aging and who may have symptoms of uh, memory complaints or cognitive impairments. Um, So we see that doing yoga seems to be definitely effective and we compare yoga against a stretching routine. So when you're stretching, you may not be doing it very mindfully, but if you're doing yoga, which is in many ways a form of stretching and resistance training, we actually see that that engaged Movement of your body and giving your brain or your mind that time out seems to have some added mental health benefit.
2: It's
0: fascinating. So there is a difference between just stretching and, and actually concentrating on on the stretching, so to speak. Yeah, that's 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 great. Interesting. Sean, do do you have any
2: insights to add from your research? Um, well, we haven't been looking directly at uh, exercise um, alone. We've been pairing it with thermotherapy so adding sauna or steam rooms after your exercise session to see if that provides any uh, extra bang for the buck um and we've been seeing pretty promising results with that um that extra 15 20 minutes in heat about 160 170 degrees fahrenheit um it, it makes you sweat more it you know it Actually, it lowers your blood pressure, raises your heart rate, and, um, you know, it, it, it may serve additional time to, to process your thoughts, and, but, it, but it physically, uh, you know, it, it increases the inflammation, but our theory is that it increases your ability to uh, adapt later. It, it strains your body. Um,
0: and instead, So you're saying that living, living in the Midwest, where it gets as hot as a sauna in the summertime... <laughs> is an ideal place to exercise then. Is that what you're saying?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Certainly in in the summertime, um, it it gets pretty hot and humid. Uh, There's a lot of research to show that concurrent heat and exercise, it's good for uh, athletic performance. Um, So when you take away that heat, you, you definitely perform better. But what we're looking at is something that the average Joe can do um, and, and not feel just physically exhausted. And it's it's a phenomenon that I, I noticed in um, commercial fitness facilities that people were doing this anyway. And I was asking them, you know, what, why do you get in here? We're usually told to cool off after exercise. Why why are you in here? And um, my father-in-law has been doing this for 25 years Um you know, it's, it's something that uh, really fascinated me. So I, I did a deep dive and tried to understand it myself. Um, but yeah, we're seeing lower uh, perceived stress, greater mindfulness, reduced anxiety when you uh, add in the sauna compared to, you know, exercising alone. It's
0: interesting. I'd I'd heard rumors of sauna participation being something good, um, especially on the cardiovascular front, but I was not aware that it actually had um, additional benefits. Um, It seems so stereotypical. It's such a 1950s thing, you know, going to (laughs) sauna with your towel and stuff. But I always thought it was, you know, not an athletic endeavor, but um, we are always... uh, open to being educated i suspect um neha some of your research focuses on on cancer patients and um how exercise and yoga in particular can benefit cancer patients can you describe some of the work you've done there
1: yeah so we we actually recently completed another study uh, here in the champaign urbana community so we were recruiting cancer survivors to come participate with us in a 12-week Uh, exercise program that was offered uh, through our lab um, in the department. Um, We had about 75 uh, cancer survivors from our community who joined us for this program. Um, And so I was really interested in trying to test whether exercise could possibly reduce some of those symptoms of chemo brain and brain fog and could help cancer survivors just feel like they are getting their old life back and they're getting their memory back. Um, So we designed this 12 week study. Uh, We were trying to compare again that um, the differences between like a mind body therapy versus just exercise alone. And so we designed um, three different groups. One group did 12 weeks of yoga. One group was put to do 12 weeks of aerobic exercise on a treadmill. And we had a third group that primarily did stretching and strengthening exercises. So very similar to yoga, but without that mindfulness component to it. And so we just concluded this project last month. Um, So April 29th was our last session of the 12 weeks. And we are getting ready to start analyzing uh, the data. But at least from the feedback that we have received from the participants, um, they do suggest that especially for the yoga piece, the participants are definitely suggesting that it has helped them in more than one ways um, because when they signed up for it, they just thought it was going to be an exercise program. Um, but they not only feel physically healthy, but it definitely seems to have impacted them mentally. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. Probably this summer and into the fall, we'll have some of the science and the scientific data that we we can get out and publish uh, But all in all, um, the program was very well received uh, by these participants. So regardless of which group they were in, and we expect that all the survivors who were in our program, regardless of what exercise they did, um, they definitely experienced the benefits that you would expect. And we know from science um, that they tend to experience and health benefits that they experience following exercise. Um, It was pretty well attended. It It was good adherence. So participants were, I think on average, we had 80% attendance uh, over the 12 weeks uh, for these participants. So the sessions were three times a week for an hour. So we almost mirrored our program along the CDC guidelines. So um, the CDC has a guideline for how much exercise should Americans engage in. And that guideline suggests that you should do at least 150 minutes of aerobic exercise Mm -hmm. And two or more days of strength training or using ex- exercising your muscles and joints and bones. Um, and so we tried to mirror our program along those lines. So our exercise groups met three times a week for an hour, for about an hour. Or so that came up to about um, 180 minutes of exercise every week. And um, all of our cancer patients, were they really enjoyed the program. They stuck with it. And again, I feel like I have to mention again that social aspect that played a pretty big role in getting these people to adopt this habit and stick with it for, for about 12 weeks. Um, and I think the social element becomes particularly important for those clinical populations, as I mentioned earlier, such as cancer survivors too. Um, they almost formed like this support group, uh, because it was a group exercise program. So, um, by the end of it, it felt like, they all knew each other for a long, long time. They, they had become best friends. Uh, some of them are still in touch. Um, they planned sessions outside of our exercise. So now I know that there are some groups who meet every morning for a jog um, around Hessel Park, which is one of our parks in Champaign. And they live around there. So they all plan to meet every, every once a week for exercise. And just um, so you can see that cascade of effects that um, that social element can possibly have, especially for vulnerable populations or populations who really feel like they need that element in their life. Um, but yeah, this summer and fall, we, we hope to publish some of our more specific scientific findings and uh, what, what specific benefits we observed or what unique benefits we observed as a function of these three different forms of exercise.
0: That's very exciting research. We, we will uh, make sure to post it um, on our website at the CSBS at the very least um, and highlight some of the stuff that you're doing. Sean, um, you uh, also focus beyond taking saunas, uh, which I now kind of am jealous of your research um, program since you get to, I, I assume you need to test out the saunas um, before yeah, employing it. That's true. Um, but you also are an expert on what uh, you call cognitive control. Um, and uh, that falls under the umbrella of what um, psychologists call self-regulation and the like and how it relates to um, exercise. I was curious if you could elaborate a little bit on, on
2: those ideas. Absolutely. Um, so self-regulation would be uh, kind of like the, the behavioral um, translation or manifestation of um, the, the cognitive control and Uh, Interestingly, Neha has been stressing the the social effects of her interventions. And it's not something that we generally uh, target as interventionists just because uh, the framework that we're working from is trying to encourage this self-regulation for individuals that includes uh, helping them with the skills to be able to recruit other people to help them rather than putting them into groups that we can't continue to maintain. Um, so uh, we think about like the, the three M's of um, you know, motivation and you know, overcoming individuals um lack of confidence at the beginning of an exercise program. Um, Their motor ability has to be at a certain threshold to be able to, um, to do what we ask of them, or we have to modify it. Um, And and then certainly the, the mental component is um, I separate that from motivation. You know, they they have to have a a certain ability to be able to plan, think ahead, schedule their activities. Um, So, in the work I've been doing, I mean, I've worked with individuals with cognitive impairment, but I've also, um, been doing interventions with healthy individuals. Um, and we're, we're taking this, um, approach to using computerized training and getting them to do cognitive motor movements. Um, using traditional cognitive training techniques um while they're playing an extra game so there's things flying at you on the screen you're ducking you're you're covering you're hitting things um can can i I get a
0: a copy of this game because i'm
2: looking for things to do um so that would be be sure (laughs) recommendations would be welcome (laughs) um yeah, so these games are very interactive and they're commercially available, but then we add in instructions to make them a, a bit more challenging. So, you know, while they're, uh, you know, while they're dodging things on a, on a raft and going down a, a water main, they're um, being asked to recite, you know, mathematical problems or, or talk about their barriers to exercise and how they're going to overcome them. Um, it's a little bit like talk therapy it's a bit like dual task paradigms so they're walking and talking and um, the idea is again um, trying to strain their brain to uh, get them to, to better cope and manage when you take away those stressors uh, they should be able to um, think about these things with more efficiency and um, greater confidence so uh, I was feder- federally funded to carry out a pilot study uh, it was a five-month program a cognitive training program versus an attentional control video group um, the videos were health the educational videos that we curated from youtube and everyone had 20 hours to participate in either the active or the, the passive video watching and this was uh, conducted over four weeks before we gave them a gym membership. And so for the following four weeks, we were just tracking them objectively to see how many times they checked in at the gym, uh, how often they allowed their activities and, and participated in the classes that were offered at the local refinery. Um, and, you know, that intervention was, uh, you know, effective um, we were able to reduce dropout. We were able to increase engagement and, and total visitations. Um, and we were able, even able to look at the, uh, the current members at the refinery and compare our, you know, our, our rates of attendance to those that were just, uh, you know, a control group, um, and they seem to be faring better than them as well. So, um, we got funding to do a, a follow-up, larger, longer trial, and uh, we're we're still actively um, collecting data for that. So, I'm pretty excited about this approach. Uh, as for whether it's going to be translatable down the road, if we can train people to do these, I, I think we can. Um, but it's whether or not the you know the, the fitness clubs will be wanting to to do that cuz they make a lot of money <laughs> by you know having people put their memberships on the shelf and, and if not everybody done. were to if everybody <laughs> were to come in and use their facilities they would be well over occupancy um so yeah there's little incentive for the fitness clubs to use this type of program, but maybe trainers that want to make sure that their clients come back and um, maybe we can get this out in the community and and just teach folks how to um, keep their mind active and and more resilient.
0: But I I love, I love both of your research because it seems to um, directly contradict the stereotype, of course, that, Athletes are, um, you know, the folks who are not using their brains, right? Um, It seems to me that you've made, uh, both made really interesting contributions to the idea that um, exercise actually makes you a little bit smarter, uh, which uh, I I like the the contradiction of the stereotype that your stuff represents. It's really cool. Um, um, uh, We're in the, you know, the... COVID-19 era um, and, and reading through some of your work um, and listening to your talk, um, it, it seems to me to be a poignant um, issue because, for example, we can't go running with our friend. And we have a hard time meeting at gyms. And Sean, you had a, a paper in which you said that two of the contributing factors to us not exercising are loneliness and anxiety. And I don't know about you, but um, it's been a lonely and anxious experience sitting in the shelter at home <laughs> um, routine. So I'm curious about your thoughts about what we're living through and, and how um, it's affecting us in relationship to exercise and also um, what maybe opportunities um Our current situation and our future situation in which we're going to have to change our behaviors um, And make them habitual in ways that we might not have expected. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts
2: Well, I've given this some thought, you know as we've been Displaced a lot of the cues that we normally have throughout the day have disappeared and um for me, I just, I've, I'm sure you've experienced this, just completely losing track of time. And I think as we work from home in a new environment, we're, we're still learning uh, about how to optimize that in our in our new situation. So if you're also planning new physical activities on top of that, it's, it's sort of this extra cognitive burden. So we need to minimize that and um, use some shortcuts and, brain hacks. So I I think one of those ways, I mean, I think the Tabata method is like kind of like using a a, a clock and and making sure that you get up every hour or or whatever your goal is. Um, I think we need to make sure that our screens include, because our, our focus so much now is, is, on zoom and we're doing a lot of electronic communication more so than we have been. Um, So we need to take um, advantage of some of the technologies that are out there for push messaging and calendars and um, reminders are are really good. I mean, I I use old school methods of, uh, you know, just the, the sticky note pads and I keep those all around just to make sure that I I eat, (laughs) sleep, you know, at a a good, decent time, and that I'm getting out and active. And sometimes I have to remember to just walk my dog. Um, Luckily, he reminds you. Yeah, yeah, he he rings the bell. We we trained him. (laughs) But yeah, I I think just making sure that we cue ourselves is pretty key and brings back more of the structure that we had in our former lives. How do you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think for the near future, at least, I think some of this uh, social and physical distancing is going to continue. Um, And with that, there is definitely a lot of fear or anxiety which is on the rise. Um, I was reading some reports uh, where they said that this is going to bring in a tsunami of mental illnesses and uh, mental conditions uh, that individuals may have to deal with. Um, and I think exercise could definitely be, uh, can can somewhat bring some solace to your day. And it can be some time that you have to take care of yourself and your body. And if you do some mindful activities, your brain and your mind as well. Um, so I definitely think that things are going to look different after this pandemic is, is over with. Um, and it's just a matter of uh, bringing in that, again, self-regulation that Sean talked about or self-monitoring. Having some structure to yourself, setting up some reminders for yourself, and trying to bring back some normalcy um, that you can, to the best you can, uh, for your routines. And it could be definitely challenging for some. It can be uh, easy for others. Um I was also reading some reports that this is a time that introverts are really enjoying. Uh, so I, mean, I guess there is a civil rhyming for, for every situation, but um, I guess it's it's up to you to really figure out how you could uh, function optimally given the new challenges and the unique challenges, which are quite unprecedented and, and none of us were expecting these to happen at this point in time. Um, But yeah, bringing it back to exercise, I think that could definitely be kind of, even if it's just 5, 10, 15 minutes of the day, it could be time that you can carve out for yourself to take care of yourself, um, your physical health, mental health as well. And it could also be a time for you to connect with your family or your kids. Um, you could kind of set up some sort of an exercise routine with all of them. I've seen some really creative videos on TikTok and on all these social media platforms of um, kids exercising with parents and playing some fun games. And and so that I think exercise could really be something that we really have that we could really optimize and, and kind of build on during these uncertain times. Um,
0: yeah. So, just completely random question, but one that I'm I'm curious your thoughts of is there any evidence that um, this is uh, made more of a exercise more than ever before um i i'm often out running and i have to admit uh it, it's almost an obstacle course uh, now um to get around all the folks who are walking um, and, uh, and i'm not sure whether that's something different like there are suddenly more people walking or whether it's just because we're all in the neighborhood now and we can see each other they were doing this at another time at another place that i didn't see do you guys have any um in- in- insights into whether that's the case or um whether there's a positive silver lining on the COVID um, issue when it comes to exercise.
2: I can only speak of the, I, I think I saw a, a Twitter feed of, there's an international team that's currently looking at self-reported rates and it looked like there was a little bit of a dip for about six weeks or so. Um, and it, it seems to have kind of normalized, but I wonder how much of the, Uh, you know participants chiming in how much bias there is and it again it's all self-report um but I've also seen the mental health data kind of dip and come back so um I don't know how much of a silver lining that is but uh because we weren't doing that great in the the activity and mental health area to begin with um uh, yeah I don't know. The jury's still out.
1: Yeah, I've seen some of those surveys, too. I think there is one out of uh, Kansas State University as well. And they are trying to understand the patterns of behavior and activity before and after this uh, COVID-19 lockdown or pandemic. Um, So I think we'll definitely see more of that data and some of those surveys and studies published in, in the coming months and like Sean mentioned, there's definitely with self reported data there are issues with some biases or maybe individuals who click on these surveys and take these surveys and complete them are individuals who are active so they may these surveys may not grab the attention of others who may may not be really affected in terms of their exercise or physical activity behaviors during this time so there's definitely some sort of that bias that creeps into these uh, survey methodologies but it would be interesting to see what, what kind of data and patterns we see uh, in the coming months.
0: Somebody's going to have to steal in some Fitbit data, I suspect, and see if they're, <laughs> the steps have increased, but um, one can only hope to see that. Um, okay. Um, that finishes off uh, the questions that I have for you. Um, do you have any uh, closing thoughts that you might have um, to help our folks who are listening to initiate an exercise routine, maintain one, or... Um, do things that might help them in the near future.
1: Um, One of the things I would definitely suggest is um, having, or at least speaking to your healthcare provider, especially if you've had significant health conditions. Um, So if you're really inspired after today's podcast, I would probably not suggest you go right into doing some some serious cardiovascular workout or some serious strength training, but uh, be aware of what health conditions you might have. It could be chronic diseases, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, or it could even be some serious muscle or joint injuries or issues that you might have had. So definitely exercise some caution um, before you actually get into an exercise program. Um, and I, I'm guessing that a lot of the physicians uh, do have this conversation with, with their patients uh, these days. I know my, my physician does. Uh, it's part of my intake now where they ask me how much do I exercise and how often do I exercise. And so definitely get, get, a, get a green light from your healthcare provider and share your ideas and your plans with them. Um, there is definitely a lot of information out there. Um, there are so many apps. There is there are so many YouTube videos. There are so many DVDs that are that are easily available. But um, just be conscious, be mindful, and and know what your strengths and limitations are before you jump into something that might be uh, high intensity or might might cause some injuries or might backfire in some capacity. I think um, just starting to. Take a walk around the block is is absolutely okay. I don't think you need to have a conversation with your physician uh, for that. Um, but definitely, if you're if you're exploring ways to become active, which might be beyond the usual routines or, or is something extraordinary or high intensity, definitely exercise some caution before before participants engage in that. That's great
2: advice. I, yeah, I think that's great. Um, my suggestions would be to. Uh, think ahead and realize that, um, you know, in order to stick with something, you really need to integrate it in with your life. Um, we've been talking a lot about exercise, and generally, we define that as um, with a goal, right? There's an intent in mind, and really, what we want people to do is be physically active. So you don't have to have a goal, but you know, you can you can increase your activity in, in lots of different ways. Um and that could be gardening. I mean I, I'm digging a French drain right now and I'm <laughs> I'm not doing any extra lifting. It's it's all through that one uh, one task that I, I set out to to do. So um and, and also, you know, with the, the current guidelines with PPE, um I see some people outside running with their masks. Um and I'm not about to give any advice about whether that's right or wrong um, because I don't think we know. But I, I will say that, you know, you're restricting your airflow. Um, if you're not washing your mask, the there are lots of things building up on it. So you're potentially inhaling that as you do more vigorous activity and if you're out there longer. So um, wash your cloth masks. And, you know, if, if you don't, you're going to be around anyone you probably don't need to wear the mask while running okay um so let me tell you what i learned and
0: you can tell me whether i'm i'm missing so uh exercise caution talk to my doc before i do anything um keep it simple uh but keep it fun. Do different things as much as I can. Don't go crazy um, initially, and then try to work it into my um, regular routines. And try to incorporate my friends, family, and other people to help me along the way. Is that a fair description of what you taught me today? It's pretty good. Not that it's going to stick. I <laughs> trust me. <it's laughs> As you know, what we learn and what we do are two different things. But thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, Take care of yourselves and stay healthy.